Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Okay, so we talked about, in the earlier segment, I was speaking to Eleanor Sturko, the BC United MLA, about the story that blew up this week on the safe supply issue, right? Mm -hmm. So these are government-provided prescription opioid drugs that are given to, to drug addicts so they don't take poisoned street drugs and die. We've seen, again, we see record number of overdose deaths continuing in, in the province. So there's lots of concerns about whether these safe supply drugs are being, quote-unquote, diverted is the word that's used, ending up in the wrong hands and the, the hands of kids. So this is a story that blew up in Ottawa in the House of Commons this week, too. Do you detect, we'll play a clip here of David Eby, do you detect any... By David Eby and the Eby government kind of wobbling on this at all? Oh, I think the government is shifting its position on opening the door for revisiting some of these policies. I mean, he's called the decriminalization policy an experiment in public policy. Uh, that wasn't how it was framed when it was first introduced. Uh, now siding with municipalities concerned about open drug use in in city spaces, in public spaces. Yeah. That wasn't part of the conversation a few months ago. Now, yesterday, uh, saying he's in, still in strong support of the of the safe drug policy, safe drug supply, as is our police chiefs and the federal government. But then talking yesterday about how they're going to be evaluating the system to see if, to make sure it's working as advertised. So I think the government is slowly shifting some of its policies and some of its nuances, but some of it is, I think, a change in language. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see significant changes in, in various aspects in the months ahead. Certainly when it comes to uh, giving communities the power to curb open drug use. Not sure whether that's legislation or regulation. Let's listen to the Premier on these points here. This is Premier David Eby speaking yesterday. Then I'll get your thoughts. Here's Eby. The safe supply work was supported by uh, both parties in the legislature, the official opposition as well as the government, the chiefs of police across the province, the federal government, uh, and uh, the reason for that is the depth of the challenge that we face. Now, we're going to continue to evaluate this program to make sure it's meeting our needs, uh, in particular, ensuring safer communities, ensuring that we're keeping people alive as best as possible, and addressing issues that have been raised, which are important questions to be asked about uh, the public use of drugs or about the diversion of drugs. These are issues we have to address. Okay, public use of drugs, diversion of drugs, and they're not meant to get in the hands of kids. So he is sort of opening the door, that he's saying we have to address that. Mm -hmm. What, so what it, could be coming here? Yeah, well, again, um, we're not sure how much can be done through regulation, cabinet orders and council, yeah. or through legislation. The House doesn't sit until the fall, so there's no immediate legislative change on this front. It was interesting in yesterday's report from the chief coroner of the monthly, the grim monthly statistic, yeah. 206 deaths. Uh, in April, both the coroner and the children's representative uh, went out of their way to say that the safe drug supply did not play a role in the deaths. These were uh, um, people who were getting toxic drugs from the illicit drug supply, fentanyl in 8 out of 10 deaths. Uh, so, and that's the first time I recall the two of them, or both of them going out of their way to point out that safe drug supply was not to blame. So people are deaths. not overdosing and dying no. from these government-provided safe, so-called safe drugs. Because, yeah. ostensibly, I assume, because they're safe. They're not part of the toxic supply laced with fentanyl. Those are the yeah. people who are dying. Uh, I was just comparing notes with a colleague. Both of us now know at least a half dozen people, basically the sons or daughters of friends, who have died of 
of drug abuse. Our family, our family knows people too. Probably yeah. everybody, just about everybody, everybody knows does. somebody. Twelve thousand people have died, yeah. and these are not, um, by and large, your stereotypical addicts. They're, uh, yesterday's news release noted that in the first four months of this year, seventy-seven percent of the deaths are in men, and the bulk of those are in between the age of thirty and fifty-nine. And David Eby, yesterday, the premier pointed out again, as has been talked about in the past, the construction industry. A lot of young yes. men work in the construction industry. They get injured. They go on painkillers. So they get addicted to painkillers. They go out in the street to buy drugs. And that's a disproportionate high number of deaths attributed to that, that one demographic. Okay. We continue to follow this very closely because EB continues to suggest or hint that changes are coming. So, you know, at some point he stops hinting and does something. Well, so. one of the themes of the last legislative session was all the unintended consequences that flowed from decriminalization. And one of them was the use of drugs in because they're decriminalized. Does that give you a license to consume them on a school playground, yeah. for example, or a public park? Yeah. Uh, so that was one of the things that wasn't talked about when decrim first came in. Now it is. Yeah. Okay. We continue to follow that one. Let me play a clip here for you from uh, conservative leader Pierre Polyev, who was on the show earlier this week. Because another big story this week was the bail reform bill that was introduced by the Justin Trudeau government in Ottawa, strengthening bail provisions for violent repeat offenders who had committed offenses with a weapon, mm -hmm. right? So it would be more difficult to get bail, presumably, under these reforms. Polyev is saying it doesn't go far enough. He would be much tougher if he was in charge. Here's what he had to say to me, then I'll get your thoughts. Jail not bail, jail, not bail for repeat violent offenders. It should be automatic and universal. If someone is a repeat violent offender, they should be required to do their entire period up to the trial behind bars. Jail, not bail. So this is he's something he's going to repeat. Canada's chief sloganeer, Pierre <laughs> Polia. So um, a number of legal analysts have said this is that would not withstand a charter challenge. That would be tying the hands of judges when it comes to bail. Uh, section 11, I think it's Section 11, the rights, Charter of Rights and Freedoms says people are entitled to bail in reasonable situations. Also, uh, so again, it's, an, it's but it's not a bad talking point for Pierre Poliev. I mean, I think the public's on side with being tougher on yeah. repeat violent offenders. There's very little sympathy. I mean, you get the odd op-ed piece from academics who say, oh, no, there's all sorts of bad things that would go with this. Members of the public are tired of these random street assaults by someone who's had 200 interactions with the police. There's no patience for that. Yeah. You know, you can have, have all the academic papers you want about how this is somehow a threat to the system. But uh, the public's on side with that. But will it withstand the court challenge? Every legal analyst I've been uh, looking at says, no, you cannot, under the Charter, just tie the hands of judges 100% of the time. Because you have to remember that you're talking about people who may have a, a, a criminal record, but we're talking about people who are charged with a, a fresh offense. And in our country, you are innocent until you're proven guilty. You are supposed, you're not supposed to be incarcerated if you haven't been convicted, necessarily. It is the judge does have the power to keep someone remanded in jail while they await trial. Mm -hmm. He has said, and what he just heard him say in that clip, jail, not bail, is that he said it'd be automatic that if you have this violent offense, you would automatically be kept in, in prison. 
can the government tell a judge to do that? Like, this is where people are saying, hang on, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure here because it'll just be chartered. It'll just be challenged under the Charter of well, Rights and Freedoms and it won't stand. But, you know, opposition leaders tend to promise things that may be unrealistic or unworkable because they sound nice. And he's not the only opposition leader who does that. Opposition leaders everywhere promise the moon and the stars. And then we get into government, they realize the reality is something quite different. Okay, we continue to follow that one. Let's talk about the Alberta election here into the home stretch here. So last night was the televised leaders debate between Alberta Premier Danielle Smith versus NDP leader Rachel Notley. Let's listen to this exchange. You're going to hear Danielle Smith first and then Rachel Notley responding. Let's listen. We have to fight back against Ottawa. This, uh, this candidate will not. We have to fight back against Ottawa and make sure that we put a target that's reasonable, realistic and achievable. I know you're keen on fighting. You want to fight with Ottawa. You want to fight with the media. You want to fight, frankly, with your former self. Um, it's actually quite exhausting. Okay, so it was, that was one of the highlights there of this debate last night. And uh, Daniel Smith there, when she's talking about fighting against Ottawa, against on. on carbon taxes and emission targets. Those are good she me- says penalizes Alberta. Those are good message points to get the ears of uh, Albertans. Uh, what I found extraordinary yesterday was the release of their ethics commissioner's report in the middle of a campaign finding Smith guilty of the conflict of interest uh, provisions over her conversation with the justice minister on some COVID uh, restrictions. So uh, I can't imagine BC's conflict of interest commissioner dropping a bombshell report like that in the middle of a BC election campaign. So it's just, uh, it's, but Smith has not had a good day since the campaign began. Yet, um, depending on which poll you look at, she's still either ahead or just, just behind. And the election very- seems to be won or lost in Calgary. Yeah. I mean, the NDP owns Edmonton, the United Conservatives own rural uh, Alberta. Uh, so it's Calgary and to lesser degree Lethbridge that may decide the outcome. And the NDP is very competitive there. But it's a pretty tough roadmap for them to to achieve victory. Yeah, the sort of the short form uh, synopsis on Alberta politics is, uh, like you said, the NDP dominates Edmonton, the United Conservative Party dominates rural Alberta, and then it's Calgary in the middle is yeah. is the swing. And typically, it it it, it is swung conservative most yep. times in the past. Most times, Notley did win an election, but like I say, Smith's been having one bad day after another. But maybe yeah. it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Keith Baldry is my guest. Let's go right to your calls. Richard in Chilliwack. Hi, Richard. Go ahead. Hey. Yeah, I just want to comment on the uh, Alberta election coming up. So I'm, I'm from Alberta. I was there, obviously, under the Conservatives and the uh, one term under the NDP. Um, one thing I noticed that Miss kept calling Notley out on is, like, you know, she, can't, she doesn't really have a record to stand on from when she was in power, right, during with the economy. Um you know, it was fine when I was in the industry, when oil crashed, you know, it just when I, when NDP got in, it just went downhill from there. She was just throwing her caucus with anti-energy, anti-oil members. Um, you know, the whole rise in the, raising the taxes on the industry didn't, didn't help. Like projects were booming when oil crashed, right? And then as soon as they got in, like all these projects were mm-hmm. getting canceled and we saw mass layoffs. So she was okay. right for calling us. She couldn't. She couldn't even answer on that. Thank you for the call. Well, one of the criticisms Notley faces is she's got to be more than just "I'm not Danielle Smith." Yeah. You know, she's been criticized for not having a really clear, delineated platform. Um, her track record as premier—it's not the same NDP as the NDP here. Well, she was like a one-term premier, yeah. so she was voted. She voted in and then voted out after one term. Yeah, I mean, she so. was able to take advantage of the Alison Redford debauchery that yeah. was there 
uh, before her for the and the and the, and the conservatives falling apart with with the wild rose party. So, right, sure. You know, the vote split and all that. And that's not happening. But she's still very competitive in the polls. Yeah, she could still win. Let's go to Mike in Surrey. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hey guys, uh, I just want to talk about this uh, crisis we have going with drug use. You know, the more I listen to everybody talk, the more I feel that we're starting to almost normalize drug use and make it almost acceptable. We've reached a point where we're getting to the point where we say, honey, I'm going to go and get a bottle of wine and let's get, I'm going to get some cocaine and we'll go down to the park. <laughs> you know, it's become such a, uh, a, a acceptable uh, way of life. And if we start letting our kids see people doing drugs in the park, if we start uh, saying that we're going to provide safe drugs, safe supply, we normalize it to the point where these poor young guys are going to uh, be dying in even greater numbers because it's going to be easier to get drugs, easier to get hooked on drugs. And let's remember that forget safe supply, we don't want these guys doing drugs at all. We don't want anybody doing drugs at all. There's no, there's no redeeming quality by, of any individual who is doing drugs. They've got a problem. We've got to get them off drugs. But it's okay. becoming so well, normalized now that I'm really concerned. You know. Thank, thank you, Mike. I'm not sure it's more normalized now than it was 10 years ago. Well, it is kind of weird to be sitting here talking about, hey, maybe the government should, should bring in a rule you can't use drugs in a playground. Oh, yeah, maybe maybe they should do that. It seems like a no-brainer. Let's, let's debate that. But I think like, uh, the flip side of that argument is pr- the total prohibition hasn't worked either. Uh, you know, I mean, this this opioid crisis goes back seven years yeah. in B.C. This didn't happen last year. didn't happen the year before that. It goes almost a decade yeah. before this was declared a public health emergency. So this has been, and that was through the first six of those years, it was a total prohibition. And that didn't work. Now, will decriminalization work? Jury's out so far right now. Uh, the death numbers certainly not Doesn't having any impact working. on that. No. Rob and Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, the, that the so-called experiment, uh, it's gone away, Mr. Eby, and it's time to pull the plug on that. You know, when you give an alcoholic a safe supply of beer or rum, it just it, it, this is absolutely absurd what they're doing. And the open drug use, they can't just hammer it right away and say, no, you aren't going to do drugs in parks and in schoolyards. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. As for that election uh, in Alberta, I watched that debate. I watched it from start to finish, the hour. Daniel Smith won that hands down. And I I think Albertans will remember they lost 183,000, almost 185,000 jobs under Rachel Notley. They lost uh, oil and and natural gas. Um, So, you know, as for public safety, guys, you know, the policing thing, I just wanted to quickly touch on that. The Langley policing thing, hey, Keith, just go on the audio vault, CKW audio vault, May 11th. 1009, you'll hear yourself say that Langley wants to move away from the RCMP. You, you said you didn't say it, so I, I had to call you out on it, man. It's true. Okay, okay, you thank you. Go ahead. Well, what, how, do you, like, how do you respond? I always like listening to Rob from Chilliwack phone in. Um, in terms of uh, various issues that Rob likes to bring up, um, the Alberta election, there's Don Braid, who's a respected columnist for Calgary Herald, yeah. basically sort of agreed that Daniel Smith probably came out a little ahead last night, despite this conflict of interest commissioner ruling. Uh, So again, I'd be surprised at the end of the day if Smith loses that election just because of the voting history of Alberta. They vote conservative. It's very rare to vote an NDP government in unless the vote splits or there's some extraordinary circumstance. The only time the NDP's ever won was that one time under Rachel Notley. Could be a situation where voters kind of maybe they're not thrilled about Daniel Smith's leadership, some of the some of the the wacko things that she has said at times, but they vote with the economy and yeah. and the oil, and the energy economy there, and they're going to vote. Well, you know, vote BC, conservative as a result. We had a very colorful premier uh, who was premier for a few months before he called the election. Named Bill Vanderzam said some outrageous things, 
Anyone so easily. Anyone big. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Have Thank a great you. weekend. Thank you, Keith. That's Keith Baldry. That was Baldry's Beat. Thanks a lot.